So glad that you guys are with us. Thanks, Stephen. And thanks for leading us, friend. Um, it's just good to be gathered together. Uh, City Church, we are a radically welcoming community on the journey towards Jesus, joining him in the renewal of all things. That's our vision statement. And it's just, it's who we are. It's kind of who we're becoming. Um, it's kind of a lot. And yet, it's us. And we get to be, we get to be that together, this, this community. Uh, we recognize that everyone's at their own spot on their spiritual journey, and we honor that. Um, and so welcome. We're really glad you're here, friends. Uh, we love to pray over our kiddos because we think kids are really important. Uh, Jesus is a big fan of kids. So uh, Rebecca Martinek-Williams, uh, one of our fearless board members, is going to pray for the kiddos today. So welcome, Rebecca. Dear God, thanks so much for our kids. Thanks for how much they mean to us, and thank you for all the lessons that we learned from them. Thank you for their beautiful hearts. Um, God, I just pray that as summer is winding down and we're all spending family time together, that you would bless them in this season and get them ready for school. I pray for the uh, kids getting ready to return to Lafayette. You would bless them as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks so much, Rebecca. Um, so we have a kids ministry, uh, which is our fearless kids leaders are getting ready to walk them out. So if your kids would like to go with them, they can. They don't have to. And also today for our first time, uh, and, and kids ministry, there's going to be some outdoor games. There'll be some snacks, a little lesson, stuff like that. So that's what they're doing. Um, but today is also our we're kind of doing a little bit of a trial run on a youth group-ish sort of thing. Um, our little church has grown a little bit and we have more folks. So if you're in sixth grade through 12th grade, you're invited. You don't have to again. You know, that's kind of our ethos at City Church. You're not forced into stuff. But if you would like, uh, Amy Prescott has got like donuts. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, need I say more? So the donuts are with Amy, and they'll be out, uh, out at the tables in the back if you want to join, join them. So we are in a sermon series, our, uh, our kind of summer sermon series, which is about rest and refocus. Uh, some of us, not all of us, but a number of us here are connected to the educational system in some ways. Perhaps we're in it ourselves. We have a, a child or a spouse or partner who's in it. Um, and so sometimes summer can be a time for reset. For some of us, that's not the case. And, and we, we understand that as well. But we wanted to, regardless of whether you're at a period of reset, we wanted to think about what does it look like to slow down to refocus, to come back in touch with your actual self. So uh, we have a special guest star today who is going to preach. Uh, if you would please welcome Brenna Rubio. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> I don't know how I feel about being called a guest. <laughs> well, that's true. Uh, Brenna Rubio is the other co-pastor at City Church, and she's been gone. For those who are new, she's been gone for a month, and it's amazing. I really thought I was going to burn the place down, but I, I wasn't worried. <laughs> I had more faith in Bill than he had. Yeah, well, 
Yeah, that's true. Anyway, so it's just, uh, Brenda, it's so great to have you here. So we're yeah, going to do some. I'm excited to be back, friends. Yeah, we're going to do some reflections. Brenna's been <laughs> away for about a month, uh, and she has been theoretically resting. Do you question me? Uh, <laughs> no, I don't know. Um, and so we're going to just talk a little bit about uh, rest, and, and she's going to give a little bit of her perspective on that today. Uh, but first, we're going to read scripture, uh, and it's this picture of how God created rest. God actually intentionally said, rest. It's really important, okay? So uh, Ming Lu is going to read scripture for us. If you'd welcome up Ming. Come on out when we stand in honor of God's word uh, when it's read. So uh, if you stand, uh, if you're on Zoom, you can like stand on your bed or your sofa if you want. You don't need to. Good morning. So this is Exodus 28 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. Neither you, nor your son, nor daughter, nor your male, nor female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Exodus 28 through 11. People of God, this is the word of God. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. You may be seated. Thanks, Ming. Uh, so that's, that's one of the big 10, the 10 commandments in Exodus chapter 20. Uh, it's, it's built in to, to the major teaching, uh, in, in the Hebrew scriptures that we're supposed to rest. It's just part and parcel. It's just like any of the other teachings in scripture. It's like, boom, this is, here's a nice big one for you. And the idea of a Sabbath is that you would take a 24 hour period, usually uh, for the people of Israel, it's from sundown Friday night until sundown Saturday night, where they wouldn't work. As that's taken on different forms over the millennia, it's shifted and there's a sense of it's, the Sabbath is, how do you do what is renewing? Hmm. Set aside the things that you're required to do and do the things that are life-giving, right? That, you know, so you don't set your alarm clock, right? So you, you know, the whole idea is you rest. Um, and, it, and, and it looks different at, at different times for different people. So like my, my wife, when she was in medical school, her Sabbath was like three hours on a Sunday morning, mm -hmm. where, right? Took a little bit longer run, read the paper, slept in, went to church, and that was it, okay? Uh, other people, it's a full 24-hour period. I mean, there's different ideas. And then there's this idea of an extended Sabbath, which some people call a sabbatical, right? Um, and Brenna didn't get a true sabbatical. It I was, got a month. It was a mini. It was, it was a, little, a little mini thing. So, um, but why don't you tell us a little bit, like, what's it like not to work for a month? Did you not <laughs> work for a month? I did not work for a month. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't work for a month. And some of that, of course, you guys, some of you may, may be this type too. Of course, it meant a little extra work, like heading out the door, right, to make sure everything was cleaned up and parsed out. And like, you know, so I, I could just feel really good shutting down the email, shutting down social media, just shutting it all, shutting it all down and, and not working. Um, 
Yeah, overall, I mean, the hardest part by far for me, um, and, and this might not be everybody's experience, but for me, it was definitely, it was all of you guys. Like, it was just the people stuff. It was like, well, I wonder, I mean, it's like, the last time I saw this person, like a major thing was happening, and I wonder how that worked out. You know, I wonder, I wonder if that problem, that relationship, that, you know. Um, so, so the fact that what we do here is so people-oriented, um, that was definitely the most challenging part. The work work, like the not looking at my email, not worrying about, I don't know, insurance paperwork or, you know, that kind of stuff. So I got to tell you, like, that was actually in the context of my year, that was really easy to put down. I was actually pretty desperate for a rest. Like everything in my soul um, wanted and craved the break. Um, so co a little context um, for my year, uh, which was just very, very full and sometimes overwhelming. And, and there are pieces I think I may have processed, you know, kind of in this larger space and community. Other pieces, you know, I think I processed, you know, some of you may have heard it in little bits over coffee. It was more that kind of, private one-on-one -on -one stage of the processing journey. Uh, but this past year, my family, we've been working through this realization that there's this whole thread of sort of hidden disability flowing through the family. And so it just made for a really intense year. It was a hard year for several of the kids uh, as you know, they, they actually did really well, like in quarantine and when school was hybrid. And so going back and having this first year where everything was all together in big all-day school things and crowded classrooms, it was actually really hard. And, and they were, the teachers didn't see it. They were coping really well during the day, but then they had like no good energy left, like at the end of the day when it was family time. And which just meant, I mean, my household has not been very peaceful, <laughs> I would say, over this last year. Just, just a lot going on. And so for me, there's been an aspect of just man, how do I love and support my kids? How do I um, just keep going when, with all the just kind of melting down that's happening around me all the time, I'm kind of feeling like a disaster of a parent. Sometimes um, lots of medical appointments, school appointments, advocating for my kids, you know, just so much time and energy that direction. But then at the same time, and this is a pretty common phenomena, as I'm learning more and more about what it looks like to support my kids, you know, and, and what this hidden disability looks like for them, there is a lot of this like, oh, there's a name for that? Like, there's a name for this, these experiences that I've had my whole life? Um, and there's help available, potentially? Uh, so it was actually, it was really freeing, but initially more just disorienting. Uh, at 42 to actually name for myself, like, oh, just like some of my kids have autism, I'm actually autistic as well. And, and I really go, and, and what does that mean? <laughs> A lot of disorientation. Yeah. So that's your year. Yeah. And then comes this month. Yes. And you, you rest. Uh, I mean, do you, do you feel like you actually rested or do you, yeah. find yourself failing at resting or, and kind of taking in this right, whole right. new, like, right. whoa, there's a lot to take in and, and process from this year. Was, was it restful Yeah, I mean, I had, I had no idea how this whole idea of rest was going to work. Um, in my, uh, before 
I would have used the language of I'm an Enneagram one. And so even just the idea of like sabbatical, and even Bill, as you were reading the passage, I was going like, ooh, I wonder if anybody else is doing, is anybody else feeling twitchy? Like it just kind of, there's a lot of shoulds here. Like even just with this idea of rest and Sabbath, like it was just grabbing onto, you know, what I've generally described as my Enneagram oneness. Like I want to do it right. I want to know what the rules are. I actually break the rules pretty frequently if I think they're stupid. Um, But I want to know what they are anyway. Actually, now that I've sort of embraced this, like, oh, this is actually autism, autism is actually making sense of a lot of other characteristics. Like, I'm not just introverted, and I'm not just an Enneagram One, and I'm not just um, anxious. Like, autism actually makes sense of a lot of these different themes uh, in my life. So, So anyway, though, so I would say coming into this month of rest, I just felt very aware of, like, I'm going to want to do this perfectly, and it's going to kill me. <laughs> and so I'm going to have to be really aware of like, not having a bunch of rules and regulations for myself around what this is going to look like, because otherwise I'm just going to feel like I'm failing mm-hmm. constantly, and it's just going to be this whole list of shoulds in my head. So really the only rules I had were staying off social media and staying out of my work email accounts, uh, and I blocked alerts for all but my family. Uh, on my phone. I could still see messages, you know, but there were just, I could, I could choose and I felt like I'd communicated well enough that if I didn't respond back to people, they would, they would kind of know why, you know, that I was on sabbatical. Um, yeah. Just, I mean, it's, it's interesting to me that one of the theological definitions of, of Sabbath and rest, it's not what you do. It's yeah. what you don't do. Yeah. And, and that you, instead of trying to do it all right, you actually did the work of getting your head around like, oh, it's, it's actually, I'm not going to do that, and we'll see what comes up. We'll yeah. see how I live, right? Yeah, I mean, that's, not, that's what I'm hearing a little yeah. bit. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. Like, I felt, though, I kind of felt like I wanted to keep that list pretty small. Yeah. I didn't want to, like, uber-define it, right? Yeah. Like, here are the yeah. major ones that, mm-hmm. like, this will take me off the rails. Um, but then other than that, it was going to be what's life-giving, mm-hmm. you know? And so mm-hmm. if w- watching something on YouTube was going to be life-giving for me, I could do that. Right? Like if I just felt like, or like listening to podcasts, if it was going to be a life-giving podcast, it wasn't like I'd said no media, mm-hmm. right? It was yeah. just, but there's more totally. of a test um, of those things. And, and so sometimes, I mean, I think, oh, we don't have pictures here, but on, on uh, Zoom, hi Zoom friends, um, I think Joe's going to throw up just a few pictures, you know, from my uh, sabbatical and any of the rest of you, I threw a few up on social media. Sorry that it's not working here in service, but, um, you know, like we did an amazing trip to Alaska and we got to do this gorgeous five-mile hike as a family to see a glacier, you know, because that felt like a, hopefully not like once and then they're gone kind of, but definitely for us, like a once in a lifetime <laughs> opportunity, let's go see a glacier. Um, so yeah, so we did that and, and um, unfortunately COVID was kind of mixed in there. We'll edit out that part. So I truly rested, you know, I didn't have any work to do, so, but that's YouTube. So I, I will say that's one part where I probably, I could feel tempted to feel like I failed during my sabbatical because I thought I was going to read this big stack of books, which again was, I think, making sabbatical work. Kinda. Okay, so I didn't, yeah. I didn't catch that at the beginning. But as, you know, we'd come back from this gorgeous, amazing vacation, and now we're sick with COVID, and I'm looking at the big stack of books, and I'm like, I do not have the energy from that. YouTube it is. Podcasts it is. You know, like, that's where my energy is. And, and I don't want to consider that failing. I want to say that was actually me embracing in that moment what was life-giving. You know, what was sort of, hey, this is what it looks like to be sick. Sometimes you just need a little entertainment, right? Like you, you just get to sit in bed in your pajamas all day and go like, yep, yep, this is humanity. This is, I'm, I'm a human. Yeah. 
Yeah. Great. Really, really appreciate that. So <laughs> I want to uh, dial back into the passage just for a second, and we'll come, come back uh, to this. So it says in, in Exodus 20, verse 11, in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh. So there, there's this like, don't, don't work. And then there's this reason given for it because God rested. Think you're better than God? <laughs> I mean, sort of, it's, you know, I mean, you kind of feel a little poking going on here. But th- th- there's this idea that God sets limits. L- limits aren't a bad thing. L- limits are a, a good thing. It's, it's a godly thing to have actual limits. So God says, look, the, the reason why we rest, the reason why we take sabbat, uh, sabbatical or Sabbath or an extended time, whatever that looks like for you, on a regular basis to rest and renew is because, it, and it ties it back to creation, because this is how, this is what God does. This is how God works. So think about this. God's setting a limit of six days and then a seventh to rest. And I don't think God's talking about 24-hour days here. I don't think this dismisses science. I think what the, what the Spirit is, is really trying to get at here is there are limits. There are boundaries. And there's, a, there's boundaries around working. And then there's this open space. And then there are boundaries around working. And then there's an open space. And so our local expert. Yeah, I'm so expert. Um, so talk to us about limits. Did you, did you learn about limits? Do you have limits? I mean, you seem yeah. pretty limitless to me. Very <laughs> extroverted, love lots of people. Um, I do you know, love lots of people and I'm not extroverted. No, that's true, that's true. Um, so. Did you, what did you learn about your limits? Yeah. Were there ways you could bless those limits? And that might be a, yeah, yeah. a bridge too far, but. No. So, I mean, I feel like talking about like the social media stuff and whatever, like that's the normal sort of post-sabbatical <coughs> sermon, right? And, and there's all sorts of good stuff there and I am still kind of carrying forward, you know, some of this like, man, I love, I've, I've never done a solid month before, um, but I've done weeks here and there and I love being off social media. So, you know, I'm definitely thinking about how do I, keep moving forward in that, you know, having purpose before I open an app versus being mindless about it. But, but I think, you know, this, this processing, what it means for me to just acknowledge my autistic self, like is definitely what I've been doing most over this last month and over, over the last year, really. And, and I think it, it fits in with this. So, um, so first, I just want to say, like, I, there are so many stereotypes about what autism can look like. So I, I, I can imagine some people might be going, but Brenna, you don't look like one of the characters on um, Big Bang Theory. Um, you know, so you're autistic? Well, first, of course, those are stereotypes. But then second, we might need to talk more. There might actually be some ways I'm a little more like those characters. Um, but, but really, I think one of the first ways that I've been thinking about this and, and learning about it is even just a little bit about language. How do we talk about autistic diversity? As I've had one-on-one conversations with some of you, other friends and, and family, um, one of the phrases that always comes up first is the old way that I think we're still sort of like 
moving out of, of talking about autistic diversity is in terms of functioning and functioning labels, so high functioning or low functioning. And that's really kind of from a very ableist kind of perspective, right? Like to what degree are we functioning the way that's considered normal, normative, right? You know, that this would be a way a normal person would function and are you low or high uh, in, those, in those areas. And instead the shift, which I really appreciate and I feel like it's, it's just helping me personally, is towards thinking about support needs. Do you have lower or higher or moderate support needs? And so while I can definitely say that like, for myself and for my family, we, we are more on the lower support needs kind of side of the spectrum. Um, it's still actually kind of revolutionary to go like, and we have support needs. Like the medicine that I take for my anxiety is actually a support that I use to cope with a world that's a little bit like, there's just a lot flying at you when you're driving. Like, that's my experience, right? There's a lot going on sensory-wise when I have to drive. And so it actually creates more anxiety for me than it does for most people. Um, and so I've started thinking about limits in terms of where I need support. You know, so it's not just like I'm broken in this area or I'm failing or I'm less than, but it's just a way of saying like, none of us were meant to do everything. Right? All of us, we're, we're meant to live in community. We're meant to, like, it would actually probably be a horrible thing if Bill and I were both super extroverted, right? We'd be jockeying all the time for who gets to have the biggest parties or like whatever. <laughs> we're like, we can kind of divide and conquer this way, right? Like, there's some things I'm pretty good at, you know, and Bill's glad he didn't burn the church down. Um, and I had no fear that people were going to feel lonely while I was gone, you know? Like, Bill is going to keep that covered. Just fine. Um, but we need each other. And I mean, so in this passage that you're talking about, right, I mean, maybe it's not exactly that God needs rest. Maybe that word makes us a little nervous. I'm not sure. Um, but it seems like God benefits from it. Yeah. God wants it. God desires rest. There's something that brings balance mm -hmm. by taking this period of rest and not producing, not doing, just, just being. Um, so the one book that I've, I've gotten through the most over this time of sabbatical is called My Body is Not a Prayer Request, uh, Disability Justice in the Church by Amy Kenney. Uh, and some of us who are part of Shock, the, the church plant in Orange County, have, have been, they've been reading it, it together uh, as well. And it has just been phenomenal. I've loved it. But the author, she calls us living on the other side of the myth of independence and hyperproduction. And really just suggests that, hey, disabled people, like really almost prophetically model this, that is actually a gift to us to see like, because some of us, we try, to, we try to present, you know, that we're, we are, we can do it all ourselves. We are independent. We are, you know, we're just so strong, so tough, so limitless, and it's not true. Another phrase she uses, which I love, she doesn't talk about like disabled folks and abled folks. She talks about disabled and temporarily abled, which I think is just profound. <laughs> Think about that for a minute. Um, but yeah, the sense that we, we are all interconnected and we need each other. And, and so for me, I don't know that I've always received the message, you know, that my limits are a gift, you know, that it's a, a gift, you know, that I'm an introverted pastor. I've always felt honored in, in this church setting, 
you know, about that and, and with Bill, you know, that we don't have to be the same, that we can love people in different ways, um, but certainly in, in other places. I mean, you all know, if you're an introvert, you know, like, it's the extroverts who are, like, seen as leaders and, you know, it's the upfront people, like, they, yeah, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you had a couple other factors going on, too, but... <laughs> what? What? <laughs> um, but yeah, so just blessing the limit is to say like, that I can come back and say, yeah, I really love you all. And I am wired in such a way that that month off was fabulous for my soul. Man, it was, it was so good. And, and I, I trust you were well loved and I can come back and, and jump in and keep loving you in my own quiet way. Um, yeah. Yeah, so delight is one of the ways I think of what God does on that seventh day, yeah. is delighting in all the goodness around and delighting in those limits, mm -hmm. right? And uh, there were a couple of meetings this week, Brad and I were talking this morning, <laughs> I was just laughing. So our board, we, our two board leaders met with us on Monday and and Brenna, it was, just, it, was just, it was a great moment. Brenna's like, I, I didn't ask you about this, but I'm gonna <laughs> tell the story anyway. So Brenna's like, hey, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna be quiet during the meeting because I know you've been leading for the last month and I don't want to interrupt. I'm like, she's not going to be Wait, I would say, actually, I caught myself and said, no, remember, Bill, I always say this, and then I can't help myself. I'm actually kind of bossy. I will end up talking. But and my goal is to come in quietly. So, so we start having this meeting, and like two minutes in, she's like, I mean, that's a nice idea, Bill, but that's probably going to lead us like way off track of where we're going. I mean, I wonder if we ask this question. I'm like, yes, yes. And then like five minutes later, I say something else really dumb, and she's like, oh, that, I mean, that's an interesting idea, you know? Um, <laughs> I wonder if, and you're like, yes, yes. And it's like, there's just, I was so psyched. Like, there's just, no one, no one thinks, like, if you've ever come to our board meetings, no one ever thinks that, like, Bill's leading the church. <laughs> no one ever thinks that. Like, they, people do think Bill knows everyone because I'm, like, pathologically extroverted. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, the leadership gifts leans this way. And it's part of just how God, this mm -hmm. package, it's all, it's like one thing. Yep. It's amazing. It's delight, right? <laughs> this is what we delight in. Anyway, uh, I don't know where I was going, but it was, it was really, I'm sure uh, it was great. It's all right. I know what I want to talk about now. Great. Yeah, okay please tell me. Yeah. Launch? Say something. Okay. Good. Rescue me. We're kind of pretending he's interviewing me this morning. Like, how's that going? <laughs> yeah. Ish. Ish. Um, no, I was, this the other aspect of like limits where I feel like I'm really... I feel like this is, this is kind of where it meets the road. It's like saying, and it, again, like, this is just me, and so I don't know how this is going to land for all of you, but, okay, so driving anxiety, I've already talked about that, right? So just, you know, I'm a homebody. I like my space. Mm -hmm. I like my space, you know, feeling like I know where things are. I like having people in my space, you know, for reasonable amounts of time. Um, <laughs> I like moving slow. So I went to a college where everybody biked. And in some ways that's good, right? Because I don't have to drive. But after like the first year of college, I realized even that was moving too fast for me. And so I purposely left my bike out for the thieves and I walked for the rest of the three years. Like I would spend like 45 minutes walking to class while everybody else got there in 10. It was, yeah. So I like moving slow. Like this is just how I'm wired. And so it's, it's actually been really freeing for me to realize that it's really common. Like driving anxiety is actually really, really common for autistic women. Because I felt like not only do I feel the anxiety about the driving, but then I feel shame about the anxiety. Because I feel like in our culture, 
being a competent, skilled driver is like considered like a mark of being a competent adult, which is classist. Not everybody can afford a car, which is bad for the environment, right? But but it feels like it's this mark of being a competent, you know, fully formed adult. Like that, I'm somehow like I'm failing. You know that I would really rather not drive if I don't have to. Like I actually feel I've felt shame over that. And so thinking about like what does it look like to start letting go of that? To just kind of say this is actually just how I'm wired. It makes sense with the same neurology. You know that means I I do pretty well in this leadership area. It's the same neurology that makes it just more stressful when I get behind the wheel of a car. I can do it. I do do it for the sake of my family.、Um, at the end of the day, like the best moment is when I hang up my keys and go, "I'm done." You know, it's <laughs> that part of my day is over.、Um, so I've just been asking some questions like, "What does it mean to honor and bless that limit?"、Um, a few months ago, so not during sabbatical, but you know, a few months prior in the spring, a church in LA had、uh, invited me to come down and, and speak for them on a Sunday. They needed a guest preacher, and I'd invited Dottie,、um, our, our awesome Dottie, if she wanted to come and co-preach, make it a co-preaching experience. And because I'd been processing some of these things, I just had this moment where I just had to say, like, okay, hey, Dottie, you totally don't have to drive. We can take the train, but I can't drive. Like, I I can't show up. I can't drive myself to downtown LA and still show up the way I need to show up. You know, so you pick. Do you want us to take the train together, or would you be willing to drive us? And she drove us, and it was just an excellent morning in all sorts of ways. But it's it's really made me kind of think, like, okay, what does it mean for me to not only just not feel as ashamed, but to actually lean in and say, like, yeah, like if there are places where God wants me to speak that are just totally outside my driving comfort zone, I just might have to ask more people. Hey, do you want to come be my buddy? For this trip, you know, because I need a chauffeur. <laughs> That is perfect. That is perfect.、Um, I'm gonna. We're gonna continue in this great point, but our, I think our AC timed out. We have、oh, a little AC. That's important. I think everybody so, wants you to push that button. That let's see. Oh, that's gonna make us happy. Great.、Um, so, I want to orient us, and and this we're gonna close with this. There's this.、Uh, there's this tension in in the Hebrew scriptures, and it's super interesting. So the. The Big Ten, the Ten Commandments, show up first in Exodus chapter twenty, right? And here's this one about Sabbath. They show up again in the book of Deuteronomy, okay, the last book of the law, right, the fifth book of the Bible. And when the Sabbath command comes up in the in Deuteronomy, it's different. It's still like, hey, six days on, one day off, you know, stuff like that. But the the reasoning behind it is different. So in Exodus, it's hey, goes back to the creation narrative like God rested, you rest. There are limits. This is、mm-hmm. blessed, right? Listen to how it's a little bit different in the book of Deuteronomy. So this is what it says in Deuteronomy chapter five, verse fifteen. After the command rest, this it's the same paragraph. It says because you should remember that you were slaves. In Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. You were enslaved, and now you are free. Don't let your work enslave you.、Mm-hmm. Don't let your busyness or the amount of your distraction. Don't let it enslave you. 
it's a different argumentation here, right? It's not, oh, because this is what God set up at creation. No, it's, no, you just got out of Egypt. You know what it's like to have no life. Let there be limits. Let there be space to receive, to delight, to enjoy. And notice that it's connected with this idea of liberation. Like, people are meant to be free. That, that's God's design, is for us not to be owned. There's, there's justice built into the, into the very foundation of this idea of Sabbath, of rest, mm -hmm. or of sabbatical. So maybe talk to us a little bit about that. I'm not sure how much that came, yeah. it was a piece or wasn't, but. Well, I think where it connects for me in this particular season, um, and I love how scripture can connect with us in so many different ways, right? So what I'm saying is not what has to be true for everybody here today, but for me in this season where that, that idea of rest is being connected with um, deliverance, with justice, um, thinking again about that example of driving, like that would be an example of what in the autistic community would be called masking, right? I'm doing my best to look normal. And it's a lot of work, right? It's not just the thing itself, but it's just, it, it's all the, the emotional management um, that goes with it to not only drive, but to look like it didn't bother me. Um, so I can be like everybody else. Um, uh, and so I, I think I, I've been thinking a lot of what does it mean to at least just start noticing where am I masking? Where am I, where am I faking it? And where is it maybe not good for me because it's actually requiring all that emotional labor, but where might it actually not be good for the community either, right? Because it kind of actually upholds that idea that there is a norm out there to be had. Um, so like a small example of that, um, that it actually just ha started happening kind of naturally, like I actually wasn't thinking about it, but I just realized I was starting to do it uh, as I was just processing being autistic. Uh, is I stopped faking that I was getting jokes as much. <laughs> so if it looks like I'm getting your joke, I mean, maybe I am, it's possible. <laughs> it happens sometimes. But I mean, it's just kind of like everyone around me laughing. <laughs> There was something funny there. I'm sure I'll get it in two hours. Like it'll, <laughs> it'll hit me why that joke uh, made sense. But just, I just found myself naturally starting to like, oh, I didn't quite get that. You know, just, just not bothering to put on the, I got, I mean, like people who preach with me, no, like don't interrupt Brenna as much. You know, like she's just not necessarily gonna catch the ball. Uh, and then you're gonna look rude um, uh, because of different dynamics. Um, but yeah, so, so I think of that as like freedom for myself, but how is that freedom for others as well? So when I first started reading this book, it's within the first chapter or two, um, Amy Kenny was talking about this, this amazing Jesus story. And I've actually wrestled it with it before, but never quite this way. And, and it just hit me. It was, oh, it was so good and so deep. So it's in John 9, and Jesus is having an experience with a blind man. And as he's in the company, just kind of in the proximity of this blind man, his disciples ask him, very well-meaning, I mean, just kind of, hey, Jesus, so, so who sinned, him or his parents, that he was born blind? I mean, talk about just classic assumptions, right? Somebody must have sinned. This is punishment. And if it's punishment, then it's a bad thing, right? So again, this 
language we would use now is ableism, right? This judgment that to be blind is less than, to be blind is a curse, to be blind is punishment. And Jesus looks back at them and says, no one sinned, no one sinned. This man was born blind so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. And when I've read the passage before, and I think this is the common lens, and again, it's a lens of ableism, is like what Jesus is saying is he's foreshadowing what he's going to do. He's foreshadowing that he's going to medically cure the man's blindness. And that's why, because that, that's how God's work is being displayed. But that's actually a pretty big assumption. The man's in front of him, and Jesus is looking at it saying, like, this man right here, the blind man, the man with his blindness, has been created, born to display God's work, God's work being displayed in his life. And so I just had this flash, and I, I decided to say out loud for myself, Brenna was born autistic so that God's work could be displayed in her life. And I just, I just started crying, right? There's just a sense of this thing, these ways of being, these behaviors, these tendencies that I have tended to be considered rude for at different points in my life or you know, obtuse or just a little weird or, you know, and, and in this church, right, weirdness has always worked. You guys are very gracious <laughs> bunch. We're all kind of weird together. <laughs> but that this particular way of being in the world is not a curse. It's not a weakness. It's just my particular embodiment. And it's actually a gift. It's actually a way that God's work could be displayed in the world. And so this sense of while there is, there's definitely some privilege in unmasking and saying, hey, I'm autistic, out loud. I mean, honestly, another church environment, I might be worried about losing my job. You know, like an autistic pastor, is that a thing? It actually is, a little tangent, all sorts of autistic women in helping professions, um, counselors, all that kind of stuff. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like what if, what if unmasking, because I can, because I have this safe space. Like, what if that actually helps create and build more freedom for all of us in these different areas, these areas that we have thought are a curse, you know, that we have thought this is just, this is a place where we're broken. This is a place where we know we're limited, and that must be bad, right? And instead saying, like, okay, maybe not. Maybe this is just, you know, no two flowers are the same. No two people are the same. This is you. This is your uniqueness. And that you could actually insert your name and whatever that thing is and say, I was born so that God's work could be displayed in my life. You're actually a work of art. That feels pretty redemptive. Wow. Well, and it speaks to the redemption of the world. Yeah. Right? That everyone... Yeah. And that kind of like as the church, we get to be a safe space to practice right? And then as we get more comfortable, more bold, we learn things. We actually get to take it out into the world in fresh new ways too, how we love others. Right. So you start in a safer place. Yeah. Training wheels. Maybe we get to be training wheels for each other. Yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to share? I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of other things, but I Let feel me like... See. Um, oh yeah, this book. Um, 
So in the fall, we're gonna hopefully be starting some new groups. I would like to start kind of a working group reading through this book. And by working group, what I just mean is that we're gonna actually think about City Church, our community. How are we doing at disability justice in the church? Are there ways we wanna think about? Um, I mean, Bill and I, when we preach, where does ableist language slip in? Uh, we didn't actually get that lecture in seminary, just so you know. <laughs> there are a lot of lectures we didn't get in seminary. Um, how are we doing with our space? All sorts of different things. So anybody, uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell you more, but just um, My Body is Not a Prayer Request, amazing book, and I will invite you to read along and join the working group if you'd like to. Yeah. I, I, you know, just to, to close here, I, um, I think we can all say we're delighted you came back. We're delighted. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm particularly delighted. I think they're all really happy. Thank but you. Not that we were worried about that, but no, that, that you came back like you. And, and some of you came back more you. And that helps me be more me. It helps us be more us. Like, I think that's the journey of becoming more like Christ. Mm -hmm. It's like, what a gift.